You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place because it's time to win with dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Welcome back to Win With Dogs. We have another exciting episode today for you pup parents out there. Today, my guest is Jonathan Klein. He's a Los Angeles-based dog behaviorist. He's a founder of a personalized dog training center in L.A. called I Said Sit. And Jonathan's school was voted the 2009 number one dog training school in L.A. by KTTV Fox slash My L.A. So all you Los Angelians out there, I'm a former... Elaine, <laughs> check him out. His information, his how he teaches is fabulous. I can't wait to shed some light on some training issues and behavior issues. One thing I really love about Jonathan that I think you listeners will pick up is that he is a causative and a positive trainer. Most of you listeners know that I'm not too keen on the dominance theory of training. And so maybe we can shed some light on on our perspectives for you guys. So hang tight. We'll be right back after a short water break to speak with Jonathan Klein on Win With Dogs. Don't go away. Hey, don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back to Win With Dogs right after this quick water break. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, and welcome to The Family Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Colleen Safford. Each week, we'll focus on different topics, child pet safety, child pet training, just how to make an appropriate pet selection for your family. All of these things will be covered in each one of our episodes. So we hope that you will join us at The Family Pet on Pet Life Radio. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for hanging around. We're back to Win With Dogs with me, Raquel Wynn, on Pet Life Radio. 
Welcome back. Thanks for hanging tight and listening to all our sponsors who we need dearly to keep going. So thank you, sponsors. Again, I was talking about Jonathan Klein. He's going to be shedding some light and perspective on dog training. He is in L.A. and a causative dog trainer. Jonathan, thank you for being with me today on Win With Dogs. Hello, Raquel. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Jonathan, one thing to clarify, I do myself... Uh, holistic counseling and training when it comes to humans and dogs and I consider that a whole picture causative approach to life so for those listeners out there that may be unclear of what that means can you explain what we mean by causative training versus maybe other modes of training out there well, what, that's a really good question, and, and what's really important is, is that I think a lot of dog training methods over the years uh, were based on the symptoms. When your dog does this, what should I do? When my dog does this, what should I do? And so what, what happens is that's addressing the symptoms, not the cause of the Gee, problem. I wonder where we get that from. <laughs> Our whole like mode of thinking is on that, so I love to have someone like you that is kind of to you, it's probably common sense, but it's kind of breaking new ground in a way, you know, having this approach. So well, you're not looking at symptoms, you're looking at the cause of behavior. Yeah. It reminds me of a, of a story years ago when I started training. Uh, uh, a girl had done a lot of rescue work and, and she was really uh, big on, on taking care of dogs and, and uh, getting them homes and stuff. And, and uh, she, she hired me, the dogs were destroying her couch and you know, it's really strange, but I really thought what she wanted to know, I mean, by the way she asked me is, you know, how can I get my dog in trouble for doing this? And, and yeah. you know, it was really hard to, to, to guide her that what we really wanted to do was teach the dogs, you know, to be comfortable when they're left home alone, not get them in trouble for destroying Exactly. And that's so, thank you for saying that, because one thing, I've had a few trainers on the show and just my own experience in trying to do it. And I do think that's a new concept, and that is telling the dog what you expect from them. So maybe changing, does changing your verbiage towards the dog come into play too? I mean, I assume you don't advocate a lot of scolding or harsh tones. I mean, how important is the verbiage and the tone of your voice in this kind of training? You know, um, you actually I could whisper to your dogs, and if they knew what they, you wanted them to do, they'd still do it. Because they're nonverbal. Hello. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, whenever I teach a dog, um, uh, you know, I start with, with hand signals and, and, and guiding them. It's, you know, yeah. dogs learn so much quicker if we use food and hand signals than rather than um, uh, trying to tell them to, to do something. And, and uh, you know, when you talk about verbiage, um, I'll, I'll share a quick story of something that happened very recently. And I was with a client but heard another dog owner around the corner and you know what what they were doing was what i heard was drop it drop it drop it right drop it and this it's actually went on maybe 15 or 20 times <laughs> and I, I said to my client i said you know what's going on here and she said well the dog obviously does not know what they want and so telling them one more time isn't going to help yeah having said that i have been in the position before where i will say Regal, get off the bed. And if I keep saying, get off the bed, they don't do it. But if I say, Regal, and look at him, he's much more likely to do it than if I just repeat the command. Is that just my own thinking? Or, I mean, is that, tr is that could that be true? 
Here's what I see, and I'm not I'm not there, but you know it's funny. You mentioned my business name, which is I said sit, and I mm-hmm. I picked that name because it represents sort of the frustration of uh, owners, you know, getting their dog to do something. <laughs> I said and, sit, damn it. <laughs> right. Well, what what happens is when you when you get to that point, you are you are ready to to enforce it, and and by yeah. by enforcing it, I don't I don't you know we don't need to do it in a confrontational way, but the the dog knows. Okay, they really mean it now. You know, now yeah. I have to do it. Yeah. And you know, we we are not really consistent with our our dogs. Um, one of the one of the comments that I, I I tend to make is that our dog would really be happy if we would actually just do the same thing twice. Yeah. No kidding. Totally. Get what we're doing. I agree with that, and I you know not, I say over and over and over. Ninety three percent of human communication is nonverbal. I mean, so, and think of how oblivious we are generally, and I'm speaking for everyone, forgive me if you don't think you're oblivious, (laughs) but, you know, we're oblivious to some of these body cues and body language, and dogs are watching, you know, I know if I work on a dog, do some hands-on massage or energy work with a dog, just a simple act of opening my own mouth and kind of letting my tongue kind of hang past my teeth a little, and softening my eyes, that does so much to calm him and slow my own breathing. That does sure. much more to calm him than anything. And it's nothing that really a human, you know, a human probably wouldn't even notice those changes. But you're right. A dog sees every little, every little movement we make. And they do want us to be consistent. And we're never going to be, probably. Yeah, I've, I've heard that the dog, you know, unique to every other species can read human body language much more clearly than any any other species. I believe that because they're here to please us, which is one of the things I love about dogs. How narcissistic is that? <laughs> me, me, me. No, I'm kidding. And actually, it's become all about them, them, them. So it's yeah, it I, tend to, I tend to agree with with that. I think I think the dog wants what suits them. Uh, but but you know that that helps us in dog training because yeah. if you know what a dog wants, then you've got a lot of leverage to get them to do what you want. So along those lines, you know, if not only we're giving them improper cueing non-verbally, we're probably also giving them improper cueing verbally. And I agree with you that dogs have a, have a very keen memory. I know some people would disagree with that, which I think is absurd. But how detrimental is it to growth and behavior training to, dis, you know, to train them incorrectly and be, let's talk about punishment and harshness. And that form of training, dominance, how detrimental yeah. do you think that is? Well, I, I think it's really detrimental, and, and I, I can tie a couple things together that you said. Dogs absolutely have a great memory, and, and uh, uh, punishment can, you know, not help us. And, and I, I can, I've been searching for examples for, for years to use with my clients, and, and, you know, they seem so obvious to me. But, uh, you know, one of the examples I use, you know, is if your dog gets on the couch for one second, once in its life, <laughs> it knows that's it's the most over. wonderful place in the world. <laughs> and every time your wa- dog walks by the couch, it's going to say, oh, my God, I was there once, and it's so cool. Yeah. And if you think about that, there's, there's really no reason that your dog would forget over the course of his life that that, that was a wonderful experience. And, and <laughs> you know, to, to continue to answer your question, the same thing goes, you know, if you, if you catch your dog on the couch and you think, oh, my God, this is perfect. 
the dog trainer told me, it wasn't me, but some other dog trainer told me, catch your dog in the act and bad dog them. So you yeah. come running into the room and get your yeah. dog off the couch and tell them what a bad, bad dog they are. Aww. And now... Now, yeah, well, it's it's unfortunate. Now they know two things. The couch is good, and it's also not good to be on the couch when mom and dad are around. <laughs> so you create, you just set them up to lie to you. <laughs> well, I, you know, I hadn't thought about lying. And see, they don't understand about evidence. I know. They That's don't true. understand about evidence. So, you know, when, when you drive away the next morning, two things are perfectly obvious to the dog. The couch is good, and you're gone. And so they're on the couch. And they're on the couch. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, owners and, and, you know, quite, quite frankly, uh, other trainers probably think, well, you know, you're just not, you know, you're not being stern enough with them. But, but uh-huh. that's not going to stop them from getting on the couch when you're gone because the couch is fabulous. Yeah, I agree. And one of the things that I do that actually seems to work until I'm gone <laughs> is, put, <laughs> is put a blanket on the couch. I have like a three little piece couch in the room and I put a blanket on the one that they're allowed to be on. And of course, when I'm here, they're on that one just diligently. And the minute right. I, I leave, unless I baby gate them out of that room, I see that there is evidence of them on the couch, you know? Sure. <laughs> so you're sure. so, so right. But I mean, how do we set boundaries? Because I'm the kind of pup parent that wants them in bed sometimes, but not other times. Wants them on the couch with me sometimes, but want, you know, how do we create that space and those boundaries where they're listening to kind of our desire timing-wise of what they're doing? Well, you know, like like we started out saying, we have to be consistent. And mm-hmm. if the if the dog doesn't know when it is or isn't allowed on the couch, you, you know, or your bed, I mean, they they can't really get that they're allowed when they're dry and they're not allowed yeah. to come in out of the rain. Yeah. Um, but you know, they could get that they're allowed with permission or they're not allowed, you know, without permission. Or they. they That's could so get- true. Thank you for saying that. Because I think my, not all my dogs. I have three dogs. Two of them are very good about asking permission. Uh-huh. Very good at that. And I think that that is, I think that's possible to set those boundaries and still have your dog be a member of the family rather than a subordinate pack member. Right. You know, right, right. personally. Yeah. Well, we need, we need leadership, but, um, uh, you know, the dog doesn't need to be a subordinate pack member. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I actually just, um, started a, a Facebook group, you know, that uh, are there, there are 999 people who think their dogs aren't plotting to dominate them. Because I don't, I don't, you know, your, your, your dog doesn't dig in the yard because it wants to dominate you. No. Uh, you know, your dog doesn't steal food out of the trash can because it wants to dominate you. Your no, dog it's doesn't a, get on the couch to dominate you. Those things are fun. They like to do those things. Dogs are opportunistic. So they right. look for the most fun opportunity available to them and go exactly. with it, you know, exactly. which is right. one thing I love about them, honestly. If you can get past muddy paws on your new comforter, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're good to go. A towel totally, by the door is really helpful. Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's important is to just set some consistent training techniques and, you know, I definitely think, like you said, dogs are highly food motivated, as are we. So I don't think there's anything wrong with using treats for motivation. Do you? Do you think treats and clickers are as effective as each other? Or? Um, well, treats and clickers are, are, are two, two different things. The, the, the clicker, uh, I, I'm a big advocate of clicker training, and, and mm-hmm. the clicker becomes the marker to the dog of the good behavior. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, when the, we're teaching sit and the dog's butt hits the ground, we click. And when we're teaching sit and the dog's butt hits the ground, we click. And I'm, yeah. I'm repeating it because we repeat things in dog training. And, 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 and it doesn't take very long for the dog to realize that the click means that was what she liked. That yeah. was what he liked. Yeah. And, and the, the food be, becomes the, the reward. Um, uh, and, uh, of course, I always throw in praise because we don't always have food. Um, so, so, you know, we praise and give, give food, but, uh, yeah. you know, one uh, thing that I, that I, I, you know, teach all my clients is for their dog to leave something on the ground, but I don't actually teach it with a command because the, the command would, would give us the, the, the impression or the dog, the impression that there's a time that you're going to tell them it's okay to steal chicken bones off the ground. So I, right. I don't think you need to walk by the chicken bones and tell the dog, leave it, leave it, leave it. But so what, what I'll do is put food on the ground and then if the dog tries to steal it, we just actually don't let them steal it, which isn't enough of a punishment. And when the dog goes up and stops, yes. and I'm abbreviating this a little bit, then we actually give them a piece of the food. Yeah, when totally. When the dog goes, goes up and stops, we give them a piece of the food. And so now what happens is when they try to steal the food, we pull them away and they don't get it. And it's not very harsh at all. It's very gentle. Just don't let them get it. And pretty mm-hmm. soon you have dogs walking around food because if they don't steal it, they get it. And if they do yes. steal it, yeah. they don't get it. That's so true. In fact, I know I have two one-year-old dogs and a seven-year-old dog in my household right now. And when it comes time to you know, dole out the fresh chicken I just made for them, right. I give them some warm pieces, they sit there and just totally wait because when they all clamor to get it, no one gets any. The minute sure. they sit there and wait their turn, they're all getting it. So sure. I think it's really important to not be depriving your dog of the same things that, you know, the things that it gets joy from, like food, good food, interaction, praise, love, all these things. I think definitely we want to be more on the bountiful, loving approach than the deprivation, scolding approach. Right. What you've also described is, is, is a, a perfect example to be a leader to your dog's because you know you 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 set a a a, a boundary an emotional boundary that that uh, if you guys grab for the food you don't get it if you right. are well behaved you do get it so the dogs understand that there's a structure that there's a right way to do things that we we provide the stuff and 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 we care when we give them the stuff yes well good we have to take a quick break let's just pause on that note Please do not go away. We will be right back to talk some more with Jonathan Klein and get some more training tips. Don't go away. Hey, don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back to Win With Dogs right after this quick water break. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, 
candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's all behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for hanging around. We're back to Win with Dogs with me, Raquel Win, on Pet Life Radio. <laughs> And we are back again here with Jonathan Klein on Win With Dogs. For those of you who are in Los Angeles, you can call and get some actual hands-on physical training from his school. And it would be great for those of you like me that are not in the L.A. area. Go on isaidsit.com. And Jonathan, I know you have a Facebook also that they can log into. Can they get there from your website? Yeah, they sure can. There's a there's a group for I said sit and and as as I said, I just started a group. Uh, are there ninety nine hundred ninety nine people who think their dogs aren't plotting to dominate? <laughs> That's so great. Hey, I have a I have a question that is it's sort of training related, but I've always wondered, and I've heard this, and maybe it's not true, but you know, I have three male dogs in my house, and they aren't terrible about marking, but. Sometimes they mark or go to the bathroom in the house occasionally. And I have heard that you aren't supposed to let them see you clean this up. Is that true? Anything that we pay attention to, we are drawing more attention to, you know, and we're drawing the dog's attention. So, you know, you reflect back on what we said about body language. I mean, the dogs are watching what we, what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, there probably are a number of, of things that, 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 that influences for, for for one, um, you know, if you, even if if the dog do, well, let's, let me explain it this way: if the dog doesn't see you and and we clean up, well, there's a a fairly good chance that we haven't eliminated all the smell. Um, there's another fairly good chance if we clean up with any kind of a detergent that has a smell, that's actually going to draw the dog's attention to it more, and then they're still going to smell the urine. Mm-hmm. And then to go back to your question, on top of all of that. If they see us cleaning up, then then it just makes it much more obvious that we're paying attention to that spot. Right, and attention and, is what they want ultimately. Yeah, more, more, right, and more more likely than not, they're they remember it as being satisfying because mm-hmm. peeing is, and mm-hmm. we're trying to clean up, and we're saying, "Get away, let me clean up. Get away, let me clean up. Get away, let me clean up," and they're having a marvelous time interfering with us. <laughs> and it's like I say, I get told often by my friends who come over, my scolding of my dogs is like, oh, guys, 
what one of you did this? No, now mommy has to clean it. And they're like, you're not punishing them enough. I'm like, they don't understand anyway. So I usually, what would be the proper scenario? You walk in, your dogs are in your house. You see that someone's gone to the bathroom in the house. First thing I do is I let them out when I get home. Yeah. And then that's when you should clean it, when they're out, right? Yeah, I would clean it when they're out and they're, they're there isn't really anything you can do to to reprimand them. I mean, it's just like, you know, I said with the couch, dogs have a great memory, but they don't associate two events in the same way that we think we want them to. And, well, their and, time memory maybe isn't, this time might be more relative to them, I'm thinking, maybe. Well, you know, let's let's go on the assumption that the dog has to go to the bathroom, that the dog wants to go to the bathroom where it's supposed to. And yeah. when, when, when you said you come in and you say, oh, my God, look what you did, I think it's quite clear that your dog knows that there was something wrong. You don't need, oh, to, yeah. come in, you don't need to come in with guns blazing for the dog no. to be upset. Um, in fact, even when I say it lovingly, they kind of look down like they're like, oh, mommy's mad. <laughs> right. Mom, well, they know, I know I did that. They know mommy gets mad around pee. Um, and so what, what we don't want and what can happen with, with, with punishment is that the dog will not, instead of coming to us to say, oh, mommy, I need to go pee, the dog thinks, oh, my God, pee, mommy gets angry. I'll just yes. go pee where mommy can't see me. Yeah, exactly, and, right. And so, so punishment can, can you know, cause bad behavior because, because the, the, the dog is trying to avoid being punished. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, that is hit you hit that on the head. So it does encourage sneakiness for sure, I think. Being more yeah. dominant like that. Absolutely. Right. I love to anthropomorphize. They're not being sneaky, but in my mind they're being sneaky. Yeah. yeah. Well, as long as you <laughs> as long as you know you're anthropomorphizing yes with humor. Absolutely. So we don't have very much time, believe it or not. Time goes flying by on this show. But what I would love to leave my listeners with is maybe some tips from you on how to increase confidence in your dog. All right. Well, that's that's great. And that's something that I think is really, really important. And, and some of the some of the things, you know, we already talked about were, were being mm-hmm. being consistent uh-huh. um, and uh, anything that the easier and quicker way we have to teach a dog something, the better. I think what what comes to mind is, is you know, that the dogs need to know to, to trust us. They know they need to, to, to think that they're capable of accomplishing a task. Mm-hmm. And and. You know, agility training is very popular, and, and you know, agility when when taught right, uh, the dogs can do all sorts of stuff that was right. scary, and they thought they weren't capable of. And one, you know, just an example of one obstacle come, comes to mind is you know, a dog on a teeter totter, um, you know, if they run over it and it changes, you know, it goes up the one side, down the other side, and it can be very scary. But yeah. if you can guide a dog to walk over a teeter-totter really slowly the first time, because, you know, we talked about do they have a memory. Yes, they learn something the first time they do it. Mm-hmm. And if we can walk them slowly enough, they can learn they're actually the one changing the balance of the teeter-totter. Yes. And if then they have power over the teeter-totter, so as opposed to it scaring them, they realize they right. can control it. This is kind of about empowering your dog, you know, just making sure that you're empowering them and getting them as much interaction and um, new experiences as possible and not 
going too fast. I mean, gauging each dog has a different threshold, I think, for sure. stuff. I had a chocolate lab that would run and jump 10 feet off a cliff into water and then a black anything. lab that wouldn't even walk in steps in the pool into the water. Right. And, you know, I couldn't clearly treat them the same. So I think it's important to just be very um, unique in your training for each individual dog. And that's something yeah. that I think you advocate a lot, which which is great. Say, Work at your uh, dog's level and recognize their, their abilities. And um, yeah. you know, not every dog can do the same thing. And, and uh, But uh, once you know how to teach them and once you've, once you've opened the light, opened the little window in their eyes that, that you know, they know you're their teacher and they start mm-hmm. learning things, it's amazing how fast they can learn stuff. It is amazing. It is so amazing. I say that with people who are just starting to stretch and massage their dogs and get them on ex- you know, into that routine. And the first time, sure. it's like, what? Why are you touching me like that? The minute right. they reason that, wow, that kind of felt good. Within like one, two sessions, they're like walking up to you, handing you their arms and legs. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Please do this, which is right. really rewarding as a as a pet parent too. You, you know, you're like, wow, they are understanding me. I'm getting somewhere. Sure. So I, sure. I think it's fabulous what you are out there advocating. And again, well, thank if you people, very much. you're welcome. If people want to know more about what you're doing, it's at isaidsit.com. Any other links that you want to throw out there? No, the website is is new, and um, I mean I've had a website forever, but we've launched a new one, and and Good. there are a lot of resources. There are training resources, and and uh, yep. some articles I've written, and um, that's the one right now. Which are great. There's just for those of you who are going to go on there. There's puppy proofing the home. He's got articles on, you know, why scolding bad behavior can actually exacerbate it. All kinds of different blogs and articles so it's a resource full of abundant abundant resource <laughs> thank you very much thank you very you're much. welcome and i appreciate you being on my show today unfortunately we have to round up another episode and listeners out there please feel free to email me any questions about this episode or go on to jonathan and email him directly from his website i said sit.com we were speaking with jonathan klein from Los Angeles, and I appreciate all your insight and all the work you've done training over 6,000 dogs, which is pretty remarkable. That's fabulous. There's also videos on your website, which are great. So again, I appreciate you being a guest, and keep up the good work. Great. Thanks so much for having me, Raquel. I enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely. Again, I appreciate you listening out there. Remember, it's up to us to create healthy, happy hounds. Their choices are actually our choices, so please get all the tools needed in your tool belt to go out there and make good choices and win with dogs. Until next time, I'm Raquel, and you're listening to Pet Life Radio. Bye-bye. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs.